You're listening to Unite and Heal America on KBC 790. This is Matt Batter, your host. And uh, we have got Dr. Sandor Molso on the program. Uh, Dr. Molso is a professor of marine geology. Uh, he has been the author of 30 scientific articles. Uh, he was the former head of the Office of Environmental Management and Mineral Resources at the International Seabed Authority, uh, which governs sea, deep sea mining. So uh, something that probably most people don't know, I certainly didn't know until very recently, was that the International Seabed Authority governs mining throughout the world, and it's somewhat the wild, wild west out there. And, and uh, Dr. Molso was trying to bring, uh, from what I understand, some good science to these uh, decisions, and unfortunately, profits seem to have taken uh, center stage in making a lot of these decisions as to what gets mined and what doesn't get mined. And uh, that is causing a great um, deal of risk to our, our seas because uh, mining could be very disruptive to the oceans. And, and so that's why I was excited to have Dr. Molso on the program to tell us a little bit about uh, this uh, International Seabed Authority and what the potential uh, effects of uh, seabed mining are. So without further ado, uh, Dr. Molso, thanks for joining us on the program. Thank you, Matt Martin. And uh, I, I thank to, um, to everybody, all the people in, uh, in the state who are listening to this program. And uh, yes, as you said, Matt, the International Seabed Authority, it is an institution that it was created in, um, in 1996 uh, under the... Um, uh, implications of what it was created in 1994, who was the United Nations Convention of the Law of the Sea. And that convention has been signed by 168 member states, 167 plus Europe now. And this, uh, this institution uh, that it looks like a United Nations body, it is not. It is an independent institution. So it does not uh, need to report, for example, to uh, Mr. Guterres, the Secretary General in New York. And as, as you mentioned, this is a little bit of the Wild West because of that. And the, the other thing is uh, it's not um, random, right, that the, the headquarters of the International Civil Authority is in Kingston, Jamaica. Right? It's a place which is difficult to find, difficult to reach, and difficult to go every year to the meetings. And you, I, when I was there, for example, most, in, I, I would say none of the General Assembly was uh, maybe 40, 50% attendance. And those, uh, that institution, as uh, Matt mentioned, is uh, the organization uh, in charge of the governance of the area. And the area that they call, it is uh, all the uh, oceans and the under, under uh, sediments of the ocean that is located beyond national jurisdiction. It is uh, equivalent to the, right now, more than 37 or, or, or 54%, if we take 200 meters water depth, be, between 54 to 60% of the whole uh, oceans of the, of the planet. Remember that by area, the ocean covers 70% of our planet, but we forget that the ocean is water and its volume 
And if you consider this, uh, the comparison by volume, actually it's very little. The amount of ocean compared to the volume of our planet actually is one to 10. So it is uh, an environment that looks huge when we look from the beautiful Pacific uh, beaches of, of, uh, of uh, California, but actually in volume is very small, therefore very fragile. Well, so that's, uh, that's one of the fascinating things is that uh, we've got a, a UN appointed body charged with developing the rules to govern mining, but it really isn't uh, overseed. Uh, there is an oversight for this body, and maybe you can explain to uh, to the audience uh, why this is, uh, and maybe why there is a conflict here. Because, uh, as I recall reading in one of the articles that you had uh, been interviewed in, basically that the ISA has two different sets of rules that it's uh, being governed by Article 136 and Article 135 of the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea, and then Articles 151, 150, and 152 focus on production, exploitation, and profits. And uh, it seems as though uh, uh, the International Seabed Authority is kind of uh, more interested in production, exploitation, and profits than it is on protection of the our, our oceans. Is that your take? Yes, the, the, exactly what you said, Matt. The, it is a, it is a, a very, very uh, unusual that a, an, an institution which with this internationality, you know, 168 member, it is in charge of two different and opposite uh, directories. One is to protect the common heritage of mankind, because we forget to mention that whatever is found in this area beyond national jurisdiction belongs to everybody and to no one at the same time. This is the best explanation and or definition of the common heritage of mankind. So the International Development Authority was in charge of protect this common heritage of mankind for the future generations, but at the same time, it has the mandate to explode them. How would you do that? It's impossible yeah. to do. Nonetheless, non, non, non of non that contradiction, but also the international authority doesn't have an even a, a or boat, you know, a, a, a robot, doesn't have any, any boat, any, any means to go and look who is doing what in what part of this ocean, which is beyond national jurisdiction. Right. Uh, I, I recall uh, some 17 contracts that are being, uh, you know, being, Know, at play in the Clarion, Clarion and Clipperton zone, which, which uh, my understanding is two times the size of Mexico, and it's off the coast of Mexico, uh, in between Mexico and Hawaii, and and they're doing maybe a hundred samples in this area, which is a, a enormous. So it's hard to say that they're really doing uh, justice to really sampling the the area to make sure that they're not doing damage. Maybe you could talk a little bit more about that particular situation. Exactly, Matt. The, the, the resolution, for example, for working on deep sea, it, first of all, is expensive. Every cruise may be a couple of million dollars. But if you want to do a conscientious and responsible intervention of the area, in this case, deep sea mining, that by the way, every single mine is going to be 3,000 square kilometers. 3,000 square kilometers, every single one. You mentioned 17 constructors. Can you imagine the destruction of the seafloor? And so in order to, to 
prevent to prevent right the the a negative impact we need to do an environmental impact assessment the environmental impact assessment it has to be a very thorough robust statistic methodological way to sample the deep sea so we are able in the future to see if we the 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 risk that we said it will take to do this activity it was uh, accomplished or not that's the the, the important of the environmental impact assessment but today the best the best contractor in this case is germany bgr he has one sample every 45 square kilometers that's nothing that's nothing right. and uh, so is there any environmental impact statement that is required by the isa currently there is there is when well while i was there there were two environmental impact assessment one assessment one statement one uh, sent by bgr and the other one was sent by um gsr from belgium to do an experiment and because of the experiment the experiment is going to be more than 10000 square meters it has to be submitted an environmental impact assessment the first the first reaction of the secretary general mr lodge was okay great we have the environmental impact assessment we are done. I said, no, we are not done. Environmental impact assessment is a process, and it doesn't finish with the the, the remission of or, or the submission of a, a report. It finishes when you are, do the activity and you prove that you did not have that impact that you mentioned there, right? So I what, what I have to do, what I have to do, it was to consult external people to look at this. So nobody from the ISA or linked to the ISA, we have to say from the scientific point of view. So we have to do an environmental impact assessment, but that right now, the, the, the International Association does nobody to do that. That is pretty shocking that uh, essentially that the International Seabed Authority is allowed to just let companies submit a, a statement and then go unchallenged by anybody who who might say different because obviously the company has has a, a conflict or has a an interest and a bias towards going forward with the project and they're not going to be as concerned with protecting the seed seabed as as they probably should be well obviously there's some obviously there's some uh companies that are going to be even less concerned uh, and uh, you know so it's a varying degree but I, I certainly don't trust companies to to do this unregulated because as we know there's a long history of companies putting uh, profits over safety and, and environmental concerns and, and take into account also a matter that the, the oceans, that without this ocean, we have no life on Earth. That's it. If we screw it, we are gone. No matter to trying to go to Mars and trying to play with the gravity, no. If we destroy our ocean, we have no more life as the, as, as the, as the, as the kind of life we know you and our parents knew. Well, that is exactly uh, the point. And and why I'm so glad to have you on the show to shine a light on this issue, which I think a lot of people don't know uh, the dangers that are that we're facing by this unregulated mining. So uh, you've been you've been listening to Unite and Heal America on KBC 790. This is Matt Mattern, and we are going to be right back uh, in just uh, a minute after our break with Dr. Sandor Molso, uh, who 
is going to be telling us more about the International Seabed Authority. Thank you. You're listening to Unite and Heal America on KBC 790. This is Matt Matter, your host, and I am back with Dr. Sandor Molso. Uh, doctor, um, we, I'd like to turn your attention to a, a topic, which is what has been the experience with deep sea mining and, and how it has, uh, how the sea has recovered or the seabed has recovered after experiences where it has been mined in the past? Uh, that's a very good question, Matt. Uh, that's uh, actually is a crucial question. And uh, there have been uh, 13 uh, experiments on several places around the world in deep sea, in particular one very famous in the, is called the Disco area. And that one is very is uh, off the coast of Peru and Chile, and it was done by the German. What do they do? This the scientists, the, the scientists went with a really a plow machine and they plow the different places of the ocean, passing by several places and taking pictures before and after. We have been visiting these places up, after three decades, nearly four decades, and they are exactly exactly the same as they left when they plow the deep sea. What does it mean? No recovery at all in three decades. So if we are thinking to do deep sea mining in an area as large as 3,000 square kilometer, that part of the seafloor, it will never recover, period. That is, so when somebody somebody... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna so say that's pretty it's, shocking. It is shocking. It is shocking and, and, and I... And I I, I remember to have listened to the uh, Undersecretary General, the uh, Asensio from Mexico, who, who who's actually think he's retiring now. Uh, the, he, in the corridor, talking to me, and like a friendly Spanish thing, Sandra said, you see, the, uh, the, if, if the deep sea mining takes place, but they want to destroy a little bit, no, right? It's, it's so huge. That is a misconception. It doesn't matter how huge the ocean is. It is a, the biome, which is the most important in our planet. Every single species that we know on land at some point started in the ocean. It didn't start on land, it started in the ocean. You, if, if you think the first time we have oxygen produced in situ on our planet, it was in the ocean by cyanobacteria. And without that oxygen, none of the species, not even us, could have existed. So if we are thinking that the ocean reacts in very slow time scale, if we're going to destroy, but actually you, you might make a, make a, make a good uh, reference in the size of the Clarion Clipperton song close to, actually the wife of the uh, United States and Mexico. If, the, if, the, if, if you put all the contracts, those 17 that Matt mentioned, in the Clarion Clipperton song, they will plow uh, the, the seafloor in an area equi- equivalent to Mongolia. Wow. So and they are telling and they are telling me they are not going to be an environmental impact assessment that is completely irresponsible, and all of us, all of the people who are listening to us, we are citizens of the world. This ocean belongs to us because it's the common heritage of mankind. We need to defend it, and that's I I, I want to use this little time to thank KABC for the opportunity opportunity that they are doing the responsible job to to pass this information at the rest of the world, in this case, North America. 
Absolutely. It's, it's uh, mind blowing that uh, not, you know, that more media isn't uh, covering this, uh, you know, situation because I mean, you're talking about plowing the area the size of Mongolia out in the ocean when the experience is that that area is not going to recover. And as you said, that uh, the life on the planet really revolves around our seas being in, in good health. And, you know, clearly this type of activity is not going to help the uh, health of our seas. So we all need to be standing up to say uh, no to this. Now let's go back to kind of, the governance of the ISA, the International Sea Seabed Association, or uh, and mm-hmm. authority. Sorry, not association. Uh, and uh, I believe that Michael Lodge uh, is the head of that organization. And who does he answer to? Nobody. Only to the only to the council. And the council is a. a it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a number of uh, countries which rotate a little bit, and there are several uh, um, by region, like groups, like six groups. And but those those people are ambassadors of the representative of the country who signed the convention, the UN the United Nations Convention of the Law of the Sea. But unfortunately, um, the the people who are uh, working in this permanent mission in Jamaica for the International Space Authority. They are they are they are, they stay there only for three years, maximum four years. They are very young or they are very senior because you can realize, you know, uh, Chile. In my case, I can't speak for my country. The the amount of business we have with Jamaica maybe uh, ten boxes of wine a year. That would be it, right. The only reason Chile has an embassy there is because of the international civil authority. Right. So the, the people who go there from the diplomatic uh, foreign affair are juniors who are it probably is the first time they are going to be diplomat because nothing will happen. They, they will not screw up anything or very senior just before to go to retirement. So what is what is the level of uh, involvement of these people as a citizen? Right. Independent, independently of the of the country in these issues. None. And so us, that's uh, why. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. So, so, so the, the the secretary general knows this very well. Several times he told me that you know all, all you know we are going to tell them to pay more from forty seven to sixty thousand to the constructor for the the administration. Say, but, but I tell you about some countries that might not be able to pay. Ah, no, but these are all stupid. So that's the way the secretary general sees all the the, pe- the people represented in the international Bay authority. I was shocked when he says when when he was saying those things. No, maybe, maybe not officially, but I, I would, I would not even think that money. So, if if we are, if I'm a diplomat, right, and I'm assigned to one of these uh, uh, organizations to represent a country, I will go with a with a huge weight on my shoulder, equivalent to 19 million people who are being represented, which is my country. So I should be very responsible, and I see that it's not the case in the international authority. As I, I told you before, most of the the the, the, the people who are, attend to these uh, uh, meetings, uh, which are every year, the next one is in July, August, maybe 40, 50 out of 168, because the rest, don't, they don't even care. Now, uh, is it possible to uh, terminate the contract or 
of uh, Michael Lodge so that he is no longer the head of the ISA? Yeah, it, it is possible. The council can request it. You know, you the council could say, you know, we we don't we don't I don't feel the that the the common heritage of mankind is it has warranties to be protected because the 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 way that the management has been done it doesn't answer. For example, if you look at the budget of ISA, which is six million more or less a year, the eighty or ninety percent is only mining mining coal administration, and less than twenty percent is for uh, environmental uh, studies and the environmental studies is only workshop meeting here meeting there meeting over there meeting everywhere everywhere doing nothing what, what we should be doing is to doing research with that money for improving right the environmental baseline of the area of Clarence Clipperton zone if we have done in this one in the last 30 years 20 years we could have done from the east to the west or the west to the east Hiring people from Hawaii, it will start from the West, hiring people from California, Mexico, it will start from the East, and systematically going sampling the Clarion Clipperton zone. No, we don't do it. We are we ask the constructor to do the environmental baseline study. Do you think that they will do it? Of course they will not, because it's money. It costs. So they, right. they, they concentrate all the all the effort only in how much money I want to make. Now, in terms of the budget, you said of the ISA, uh, I'm not sure if I heard you correctly, but did you say six million, just six million, or six, six, six million, six million a year, more or less? Wow, that's a tiny budget for uh, an of organization. Course it's for, for, exactly, exactly, man. It's, it's, it's nothing compared with the seventy percent of the area of the planet. It's that ridiculous. Is, yeah, that's mind blowing. I mean, I can just tell you the small law firm's budget is uh, uh, <laughs> beyond that. And, and that's, uh, you know, there's no way that I could manage the entire, uh, you know, ocean on that budget. I mean, there's no way you could possibly do the proper oversight, have the amount of staff that you would need to uh, to do the work that would be necessary to to properly uh, govern our oceans. So that to me is just shocking beyond belief that I mean, first off, they need funding to do the to the do the work, which probably be in the hundreds of millions of dollars budget-wise to do the type of science that's necessary. Or the alternative is kind of to shut down mining, uh, deep sea mining until we get a better handle on what the effects are and don't screw up what we have until we really know what we're doing, which we don't from what you're telling me because we're turning it into a moonscape after we mine. So that, and it takes uh, probably, I don't know how long it takes, but you'll, our listeners will find out uh, back after the break, uh, we're going to be, Back in uh, in sixty seconds with Dr. Sander Molso, uh, professor of marine geology, also former um, employee at the International Seabed Authority. He was the head uh, of the Office of Environmental Management and Mineral Resources at the ISA. We'll be back in just a minute to talk to Dr. Molso a bit more about uh, these issues that uh, are so important to everybody.
You're listening to Unite and Heal America on KBC 790. This is Matt Madden, your host, and I'm back with Dr. Sandor Molso. Uh, doctor, we were just talking about uh, the uh, various contracts that are being used to exploit the sea, and my understanding is that there are 30 contractors currently doing mining uh, on the seabed as we speak. Is that, a, is that an accurate statement? Exactly, exactly accurate. And they, are, and they are located everywhere in all the oceans. We have, uh, as you mentioned, more than 17 in the current Clipperton zone in the North Pacific. We have some in the southern, southern Atlantic, close to the coast of Brazil. We have three or four in the North Atlantic, in the mid-ocean regions, Russia, France, and Polonia. And then we have a, a bunch of others in the in the mid-ocean regions of the Southern Ocean, uh, going around Africa and India. And there we have Germany, India, Korea, Japan, and I remember, I think, uh, China. Then we have uh, also a bunch of contracts on the sea mounts uh, close to the Mariana Trench. And there are also Japan, Russia, and, and you name it. So we have 30 contracts, licenses, pay, actually, we, we need to mention that every contract pays to the International Space Authority as a million dollars. So I am, I'm always asking the question, what happened with this so far? More than $30 million. Where are they? Are they in a bank account? Where are they? What are we doing with the money? We, we mentioned before, you know, so the, I'm, I'm sure the listeners, they, they remember that the budget was 6 million years for, for the International Space Authority. Yeah, but it received 30 million extra for, for the, under the contracts licenses. Where is money? Why we're not using that money to study the deep sea, right. for example? So, so those are questions that it will be answered. It will be answered when when somebody, member state uh, from the council or the assembly, request an international audit of the international civil authority, not an internal audit, an international one. And we do have a way to do it. There is the, the, there is the board of auditors of the United Nations. Why we don't ask them to audit the international civil authority and clear, clarify this? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just speaking something out of the blue. But I would like to see it on paper. If, uh, do you know if uh, anyone has made the request to have them audited, or uh, if uh, we were we to I, we we try we try Chile try Chile I, I recognize at that point uh, Senator Bonilla was in in Kingston. And he managed to uh, request this uh, an, an international audit because. We knew that something was not right with the money, the way that the contracts, for example, the in a private contract the international authority is doing, they were always going to the same people. So that's also which is not correct. The money, the money that is entering to the international authority come, it comes from 168 member states, right? So everybody should have a, 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 say, a, a say in where the money goes and who's out the money suspended. But you know, you see how the, the thing moved? At that time, the president of Chile, it was Piñera, which is the ultra-right president. From the blue, he came to visit uh, Kingston for a weekend. It met directly with the Secretary General and the request disappeared. Ah, so ah. he met with he met with Michael Lodge directly. Exactly, and and it is it is a, it is done very accurately and very precisely. Not a working meeting; it was a holiday meeting on Montego Bay. 
uh, right? I was not invited. The ambassador was invited. The president was invited. And Lodge was invited. And after that, the request disappeared. What what it was said? I I I I I don't want to be bad, but I'm sure it was like okay. The president of Chile is okay. I will retire here, but so how am I going with this? Am I getting something? I'm pretty sure. It's it certainly looks a little bit fishy. We want we want transparency. We want transparency in our government, and and certainly something as important as uh, mining contracts on the deep see that are affecting the oceans, which are, is the heritage of everybody, needs to be uh, scrutinized at the highest level and the greatest amount of scrutiny possible. Geez, just to build a, a, an apartment building in the city of Los Angeles, you're going to have a lot more scrutiny on the environmental impact of building an apartment building than you would on starting a mine at the ocean floor. Uh, and thousands of square kilometers seems uh, mind blowing, but uh, what can you do? I guess we need to we need to shine a light on this and and tell our representatives, tell our various governments that uh, we want an audit. We want potentially to have uh, Michael Lodge dislodged from his position because isn't he getting some? Uh, monetary benefit from entering into these mining contracts with these various mining companies. That's definitely what you, what, what, what you just mentioned is exactly what I have in mind. And, and I think most of the people have been talking and when I, I disclose this information, they say, wow. But if, if, if we go further, you know, it, it, it is amazing that the, the, the senior scientific advisor of the metal company where Gerald Barron is the CEO, is a, a, a person who is married or is a couple with a lady. And that lady is a cousin of the former wife of Lodge. So everything is in family. That's incredible. <laughs> so so when, 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 when you start looking at those things, you start like, hmm, what does it mean this? Well, let's think straight. Maybe it's, it's not what I'm meaning, but it really looks bad. That, that is incredible. So uh, from what I understand, it's the lawyers that are making the decisions as to where thing, you know, whether mining permits are granted rather than scientists. Is that is that true? Yeah, exactly. And, and actually, lawyers, as you are very, you are very gracious, uh, Matt, because the person who is right in the mining code is one lawyer, one, Mr. Christopher Brown. Nobody dares to measurement. We should check him out. Who is this Mr. Christopher Brown? I check him out. He's an expert in, um, I think he's called royalties in music, in the music industry. And he's the, he is the expert in deep sea mining law and mining code. It is unbelievable. It is, is unbelievable. Yeah, it seems as though <laughs> it, it, it's almost uh, laughable, but uh, it, at the same time tragic that uh, somebody who is so unqualified could be making the decisions that are affecting our entire planet and imperiling our entire planet based upon probably improper motivations, which is uh, these mining companies are making tons of money mining uh, various metals at the deep sea. Now, one of the things that uh, you had told me offline was 
kind of the level of concentration of these minerals in the various rocks that are on the, the deep sea are much higher concentration of say copper or magnesium at manganese at the ocean floor than what you would um, you would find uh, at you know on on land. Mines. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. So the 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 actually the for me the I'm trying to look I'm I'm trying to be very very I said a patient with the arguments that the constructors are dealing or are promoting or are stating that they are what is behind for their attitude to go and request a, a, a mining license in this case exploitation but with the with the view of a, a exploration with the view to exploitation and the 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 speech that we hear is very loud and clear and with a lot of money behind from the company from the deep green or today the metal company but also gsr which is the the company from belgium and they both speak of the same that they are going to collect all this uh, rare earth mineral all this copper that we need and all this manganese that we also and the iron and all the other nickel and cobalt right and because they are thinking that they will provide a a, a cheaper a cheaper a metal a needle elements needle but to uh, um, the transition between combustion mobility to e-mobility electronic mobility and and the, the bottom line is lithium actually it is it is a conundrum there is a huge conundrum there because the the lithium batteries it is the smallest element three atomic number so we don't we don't have a smaller than the smallest one is hydrogen and helium in the other side and this hydrogen we need to create so much huge weight of lithium on a battery to move two or three people in the car so from the from the physical point of view it's not going to work but worse we need to charge them with electricity where are we going to get the electricity coal oil aren't we worry aren't we worry for co2 we're supposed to solve the problem for co2 the solution, there is a solution. Of course, there is a solution, but it's not what the constructor they're going to do deep sea mining is. The solution is to use hydrogen. That's the, that's the, that's the only solution we have today, hydrogen, not batteries. But the, the constructor are pushing to do the, to find a, an excuse to go on deep sea mining. And the excuse is immobility, but actually it's money. You mentioned it, Matt. You know, if, if, you, if, you, if you earn money, taking a mineral from land at 0.4%. If you're going to do the same effort on the ocean and you're getting 4%, I will invest in the deep sea too. Right, it's a 10% um, or a, a factor of 10 greater level of concentration. Exactly. That, that's gonna have uh, 10 times as much potential profit for the mining company. Well, uh, you control, control of the price. Right. So that's why these mining companies are uh, into this is that they um, they are in it for the money. Well, that doesn't shock exactly. any of us. But uh, exactly. hydrogen, hydrogen being the fuel of the future is something uh, I believe in. And I I think that is very important. Now, uh, 
looking forward to talking to you about that after we get back from our break. You're listening to Unite and Heal America on KBC 790. This is Matt Matter, your host, and I'll be right back in one minute with Dr. Sandor Molso and uh, talking about uh, hydrogen and how we can save the planet. You're listening to Unite and Heal America on KBC 790. This is Matt Matter, your host, and I'm speaking with Dr. Sandor Molso. And uh, Dr., what what do we do now? What's uh, What paths can we take to uh, to correct, do some course correction, and and limit the amount of deep sea mining going forward. Yeah, there's uh, that's a very good question, and we have been talking about a, a little bit, you know, uh, give a sense of what the real issue is to all our our the people who are listening to us and this program, and you know, uh, as as you mentioned before, Matt, and we were discussing of the of the phone of the of the recording, Nauru, the Republic of Nauru, requested a, a two-year a provision for deep sea mining, and there there is a date. And that date, it is on the 23rd of June, 2023, is the next year, uh, and where they um, they will be allowed to mine the deep sea, and with regulation, with no regulations. And so, if if we look at from that point of view, we have very little things to do. But one thing that we can do, right, is to request a moratoria on deep sea mining based on the lack of warranty first of the governance of the International Better Authority, as we have been discussing for this hour right now, that it is not governing at all the common heritage of mind crime, and for the lack of scientific robustness of the information on the deep sea and environmental studies. Nothing has been done. The International Better Authority should change and shift gears towards explore to protect not explore to exploit, explore to protect because it's the common heritage of mankind. How can we do this? Go talk to every constituencies, every country who has signed the International Better Authority should request an audit. What are we doing? What are we doing with the money that come from my taxes, from individual countries, 168 countries? What I've been doing with this taxes, ma- tax money that we've been sending to the International Metal Authority that now we're going to, that we're in the verse to destroy the most important biome of this planet, which is the sea. And Matt mentioned before that sea provides a lot of things to us. One of the things that provide is two thirds of the oxygen that we respire. Wow. That's important. So if we, if we want to unite and heal America, I think we should also unite and heal our planet. We don't need to go and look for Mars or the Io in, in, in Jupiter or Saturn or any other planet. Let's protect ours and make it better for the future generation. I think that is the best mix- message that we can give. One thing that I am been feeling is that the oceans, you know, day after day, I review the journals and the literature, which is my job being a scientist, is that I, I, I'm getting to the sense that our ocean are losing their memory. And that's so crucial. What, what do I mean for that? They're they are losing the memory that the temperature of the sea, it should not go higher. Now it doesn't know anymore. What is the normal? They're losing the, the, the fact that the deep sea today, it is releasing 
carbonate that it was stored by the, the cycle of, of the carbon because the pH is changing. The ocean doesn't know what the pH it is now. It is it's change, we are changing every single ecological function on the deep sea and the ocean start getting senile and not remembering that in the interglacial period that we are right now, the variations are small. We are making it bigger, every single variable in the deep sea. What the impact of that will be? Us. We are going to, well, me, we're going to be suffering food, everything. Let me ask Fisheries you, in terms, of, <clears throat> in terms of what we can do here in the U.S., and, and uh, my understanding is John Kerry is, uh, you know, one of the lead people on, um, you know, dealing with environmental issues worldwide for the U.S., uh, have you spoken to him or do you know of what he's doing on this front at bringing uh, some order to this ISA, which is kind of like a rogue elephant at this point in time? Or is there somebody else that, in the U.S. that uh, you think we as uh, citizens should be directing our attention to to say, hey, uh, let's let's uh, rein in this ISA and, and stop Put a moratorium on deep sea mining. I think I think the the, the your suggestion to contact uh, John Kerry would be great. Uh, it is interesting because I met him while I was a graduate student at uh, Woodsall. I studied in Woodsall in Cape Cod. I did my PhD and I went to one of his hearings when he was a senator, and the the he was dealing with the graduate studies and foreigners. I think I think he he doesn't know about this. I'm pretty sure. So if, if you guys through the KBC are able to contact and invite him, invite him to this program, I'm sure he could come and to, to tell him you know, and to request from him a commitment from the internet, from the, uh, from the United States towards the international community to promote a moratorium on deep sea mine until we know what are we going to do with this. Don't let the only environment, I repeat, the only environment which is uh, resilient enough to keep all us alive. If we are going to, to, to take away that resilience, and we are doing it now, that's why I say it's losing the memory, we don't know where we're going to happen. But I'm sure my, my grandsons, they will be swimming in an ocean that is not the same one that I swam when I was that age. Now, in terms of uh, other countries that are contributing to the problem here, my understanding is that the United Kingdom and the countries in the in the Commonwealth are kind of on the uh, cutting edge in the wrong way as far as deep sea mining. And that David Cameron had uh, back in 2012 had said, "Hey, this is going to be a big industry for the UK, and let's go all in for deep sea mining." Uh, What's your understanding of what's happening on the ground? Yeah, exactly, man. I think all the all the people who are listening and they don't want to believe the, or, or what we are saying, let's go on, go on in internet, check the Guardian, two thousand and twelve, David Cameron, and you will and you will see the speech is still there, and and of course the the Commonwealth right now has seven seven licenses for exploration towards exploitation in the Clarence Clipperton zone, which is uh, entitled to an area of 490,000 square kilometers for mining. This should not be allowed. I'm wondering, Matt, if the uh, regular citizen of the, uh, the of the United Kingdom knows this. Pretty sure they don't. I'm pretty sure they don't. Because if they do, if they do 
we should be more and more. You mentioned at the beginning, why mo no more journalists? Why no more programs? Why no more television programs about this? Because nobody knows it. Nobody knows about this. I, I, I gave lectures every time in my university and around my country. And the first question I ask, does anybody know where the United Nations Convention of the Law of the Sea is? Nobody knows it. Right. So well, you, the job that you are doing here, guys, it has no value. You have no, I don't think so you, you can uh, see the scale of, of whoever is listening to this is a person who is going to be more informed than it was an hour ago. Well, that's uh, that's the intent of the program. It, it is shocking to think uh, that the UK is has got uh, mining operations that are going on on 490,000 square kilometers uh, on our seabed. Uh, and that's uh, that's probably a very good chunk of what would be the UK's territory if it's not bigger than the entire. That's right. Area. That's right. Uh, that's that's <laughs> mind blowing. So exactly. I, I think uh, if, if 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 you if you if you manage to to convince John Kerry, I will. If you do a meeting, invite me. I will talk to him directly, and I will I will give all the information. The other country that we need to get involved is Japan and Germany, because Japan and Germany are the biggest contributor annually to the budget of the International Trade Authority. I'm pretty sure the Japanese don't know what they're doing. Um, and also, they don't know the, the regular cities of Germany. They know that ja Germany is paying more than 400, half a million dollars every, every year to the International Trade Authority. Well, uh, and, and I know that uh, particularly in Germany, they have quite an active um, environmental party there. The Green Party is, is very large and, and part of the governing coalition there. So that I would imagine they're... Uh, if they knew about this, they might uh, take some action. So it's certainly incumbent upon all of us who do now know this to to uh, try to disseminate this information as widely as we can and and uh, get out the the word that a moratorium on deep sea mining is imperative, uh, and we need to do it as soon as possible because destroying the ocean is is self-destructive. I mean, it's like destroying ourselves. It's committing uh, essential ecological suicide, which is insane. So, um, you know, doctor, it's been a pleasure having you on our program and I'll give you the uh, final word to, to uh, talk to our listeners and, and then we'll close out the program. And the only thing that I, I, I would like to say to all the listeners is that uh, you should have more program than this. Thank you very much. Well, I thank you again, doctor, for being on the program. It's been a pleasure and we look to have you back uh, in the future and uh, certainly work together with you on creating a moratorium on deep sea mining uh, and to help save our oceans and to save our planet. So again, you're listening to Unite and Heal America on KBC 790. This is Matt Mattern, your host, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to having you back listening in next week. Thank you.
As you may know, your host, Matt Mattern of Unite and Heal America, is also the founder of Mattern Law Group. Their team of experienced employment, consumer, and environmental attorneys are dedicated to leveling the playing field by giving everyone access to the highest quality legal representation. Contact 844-MLG-FOR-YOU. That's 844-MLG-FOR-YOU or 844-654-4968. 844-654-4968. 